1025. It's time to talk football. It's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Hello and welcome to Wednesday night's Clyde One Super Scoreboard with me, Stephen Mill, in for Gordon Duncan. So that's Scotland's qualifying campaign for Euro 2020 put into the freezer until March and the playoffs come around and it has ended with three wins in a row. It was 3-1 against Kazakhstan last night in front of a half-empty Hamden and that's been generous. But can those trio of wins reignite your passion for the national team? We want to hear from you. 0141 951 1025. It's Bulgaria, Israel, Romania or Hungary in the playoffs but do we have the right to be confident Heading into those matches And what about the main man Super John McGinn He cannot stop scoring for Scotland But had the Celtic board Shelled out an extra few hundred grand He could have been doing it In the green and white hoop Celtic fans Do you rue the day That the bean counters at Parkhead Said no to Hibs Also Rangers Colts Know their Challenge Cup Semi-final opponents And so did Partick Thistle But are the Jags On the verge of a takeover Colin Weir And his Euro Millions Appear to be back on the scene At Thistle fans What do you make of that As ever You can get in touch on Twitter At Clyde SSB and that number is 0141 951 1025 to guide us through this evening until 8 o'clock I'm joined in the studio by Jim Duffy and Mark Guidi how are we doing lads you alright? yeah good Stephen yep. yep good show tonight good one for Scotland the SPFL Premiership's back Saturday Sunday old firm going at it Jack Ross first game in charge of Hibs and Hearts Horst McPhee likely to be in charge but we expect a new Hearts manager to be appointed next week is that the latest? Is that an exclusive from Mark Woody? Just a thought. Just a thought. Just a thought. I think it will be. I think the... I always thought that they would go sporting director first and then the head coach, Stephen. I think with interviews that have taken place, I expect that uh, a new manager will be appointed next week. And then Os McPhee, I think, will be offered the sporting director's job if he wants to... To, to take it so I think Austin would, would probably have a not have a say in who's getting it but he'd certainly meet the new guy and see how they go on and if there's something there I think Austin's the, the perfect candidate that said if, he goes, if Hearts go and beat Kilmarnock 3 4 5 nothing, it's another great show it's good attacking football who's to say he's, he's not in the frame who's to say he shouldn't be given a longer crack at it Absolutely Our focus for the first part of the show Will be Scotland though Jim Duffy mm. uh, As I mentioned It is the end of what has been A pretty traumatic campaign mm. Hasn't it uh, But it has ended with three wins mm. It was good in the second half Not so good in the first half What did you make of the game last night Jim? Yeah I actually thought we were okay in the first half I mean I, I think it, a bit, we, we tend to look for perfection And uh, you know you know, Sometimes you've got to feed your way into the game And we, we lost to an outstanding goal Yeah you can always look and say you know, McKenna should have went out, pushed him on his right foot because he's all left foot, all these kind of things, uh, not allowed him to shoot. But take take that aside, you know, I thought Scotland were okay. Not much, much better in the second half, you're right, Stephen. But, you know, we still passed the ball. We didn't panic, you know. We, we didn't lose sight of the, what we're trying to do and how we're trying to play. And that's important. And eventually, we got an early equaliser and that gave us the confidence. And I think it helps also the confidence of supporters. And listen, it's been, it's, it's been a, a, a poor campaign, let's be honest. But I think we have to look from, you know, over the last three games. And yeah, and it's not been the toughest opposition. We we understand all these things. But I, I think before these three games, I think we all thought we might actually struggle against Cyprus and against Kazakhstan to even, to even get any kind of result. So to beat those two, all right, San Marino, we always should have won comfortably. So I think, I think you know, we've got to be a bit positive. The difficulty for Stevie Clark is this, at least four months before you play another competitive match and the squad 
and changes so much. How does he build anything? Does he stick with these guys that have shown that they want to play for the country that you know have turned up when one or two have, have, have pulled out? Or does he does he kind of throw that away and say, no, I just need all the best players available. Let's see if we can get to Euro uh, 2020. Is this the beginning of the positives starting to seed through for Steve Clark, though, mm-hmm. Mark Weedy? I, I, I think, um, I agree with Jim, first half, you, you're losing 1-0, there's a wee bit of doom and gloom. But I think the early goal did settle them down. And I have to say, watching the setting half, just watched it in the box last night, Stephen, um, I thought some of the combinations were really, really good. And you can see what Steve Chart's been trying to do and you can see the benefits of having seven days work with the players from when they met up uh, to prepare for the Cyprus game. Greg Taylor starting at a left back. I mean, mm-hmm. why have we got so many good yeah. le- le- so many good left back? I mean, he's terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, Christy linking up. Ryan Jack looking the part in the middle mm-hmm. of the park. Uh, David Marshall saw it again. Stephen Naismith leading the line. That could just solve the number nine mm-hmm. problem if he can stay fit until March. James Forrest Again, just just kicking on John McGinn, obviously. Um, but I thought some of the play, the combinations, the passing, the movement, the amounts of shots on goal, that you can tell there's good body language in the team as well. Where they're comfortable with each other and they want to go, go and do well. And that's what they managed to put on. Being a goal down, there's usually playing in front of less than 20,000. You imagine a full house when they're all at it, whether it be Bulgaria, Romania, Israel, Hungary, whoever we get. I really fancy Scotland strongly. If he can keep a group of players fit um, to get through, because I was really, really chuffing last night. We will focus on the playoffs a little bit later on in the show, but let's go to the lines. Plenty of calls coming in. Uh, let's speak to David. You're the first caller on Clyde One Super Scoreboard tonight from St George's Cross. Don't know what you're doing in the background there. How are you doing, David? You're right. Uh, I'm all right. I'll just start on the line of football, actually. But, um, on you go. Right. Last night, I say Scotland looks a wee bit, looks a wee bit grittier for the first time in a long time. And we're need to start getting the basics right, which I think we're doing, and that's, we shouldn't be beat Kazakhstan at the start of the campaign, we've done it this, we should be beating Kazakhstan, and we shouldn't be beating Cyprus, we're doing that now, and that's what we need to concentrate on, let's talk about finishing higher than we're seeding later on, when we get the basics right a lot more often, and we get a team, a settled team, I think, which might be there in the next few years, because of the, the age of the group as well, Um I just wonder what you think that, and I'll maybe come back on the John McGinn thing with Celtic as well. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, David, wholeheartedly. I think, you know, you've got to take baby steps and get that organisation. Uh, Stevie Clark saying, even though the, the, the personnel changes, he's wanting to try and get the way he wants to play. So last night, it was almost like a 4 4 1 1 with John McGinn supporting Naismith, two wide players in Forrest and Christie, with two kind of not quite holding midfield players, but sitting there, you could call it a 4 2 3 1 or a 4 4 1 1. But the back four was solid, it was compact. You know, as I said, restricted Kazakhstan to very, very few chances. You know, the midfield, you know, good energy about his good legs. And, you know, Stephen Naismith is a, a bonus for us. There's no doubt about that. And, and, you know, you can see how important he is, you know, just leading the line and, and those kind of leadership qualities as well. I mean, you feel a wee bit sorry for Craig Levine now because if he'd had him fit for hearts, he may well have still been in a job. But he, he does give us something a little bit more uh, up top. So... Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I wouldn't be rushing to change it too much. Again, you can never tell how for him, uh, how injuries are come come March. But uh, the group we had last night looked a decent group of players who all wanted to play for Scotland. And it's really important that you want to play and show that passion and that transmits on to the supporters. Mark Weedy, do you think that David's right? It's about getting back to basics before we can take on those bigger challenges? Well, it's about getting through the playoffs, uh, Stephen. David, you know, I, I, I don't see the point in looking two, three, four years ahead. 
Because I've got a great chance to qualify in March We won't be given a better chance This is the best chance we've had in 20 years To qualify for a tournament um, So yeah, let's look at that If if we qualify in March As we know the nation It'll just be lift off If we don't I don't know how we qualify And I don't know when we qualify after that To be perfectly honest This is going to be This is our best chance and we can't blow it we shouldn't blow it because we should be more than capable of getting through yeah let's not think of the negatives uh, David do you want to come back in on that well I, I, I'm not disputing that to be honest Mark I think that this is our best chance as I agree taking baby steps possibly for, the, for four or eight years at least until we can build a bigger squad I, I think we are capable of getting through but we need a wee bit of positivity and it can't be be all and end all we've got to accept our place we're not a top tier team, we're not even a second tier team. Um, we've got to accept that maybe you look at that Norway team and, and there's good talent in that. So if we get Norway in the final, I think, assuming we get through the semi final, of course, but I think we will. Um, if we get Norway in the final, I think that would be a struggle because they're a cracking team um, and they've got really good talent. So if we get through that and Norway put us out with the odd goal, is it going to be a huge disaster? I would be no getting to the, the tournament, but, you know, they're a, they're a decent team and there's decent challenges there. David, you were want to make a point about John McGinn as well. I, I don't think the John McGinn thing, although I, I accept Celtic probably didn't want to pay just anymore, and, and they might they might have. I don't think Hibs ever wanted to sell John McGinn to Celtic. I really don't. I think they wanted to get the bigger money down south, and, and for the boy as well, because he was never going to earn that sort of money at Celtic. I just don't think it was ever going to happen. Um, I think it was a bit. And also as well, you look at McGregor and Brown in there. Would McGinn have got a game? I don't know. And that might not have been the best thing for his career. Well, I think the the thing is, listen, it's all hypothetical now because it was it was a long time ago. But I think if, if Celtic would have put another million pound on the table, it wouldn't have mattered. Hibs would have definitely taken it. And the player, I think, you know, Aston Villa won the championship at that time, would probably have get, could have got the same amount of money. But taking all the consideration, David, it allowed the emergence at Celtic of Ryan Christie. That was the big thing because... If you look at him last night, he played in that advanced role, advanced midfield role, and, and that's what he's been doing under Stevie Clark, getting forward, breaking from midfield, getting to support the, the, the striker, and he's been not only scoring goals, but he's, he's having shots at goal, he's been a threat at goal, um, he's been terrific. So from that point of view, you know, McGregor and Brown might well have played, but he may well have played in advance. The fact is, I said that Celtic didn't sign him. Then, as I said, the whole thing turned around for Ryan Christie. And now he's the guy in that role. And obviously they've got Tom Rogic as well. So I don't think it's impacted Celtic. Um, because, <laughs> listen, the success Celtic's had uh, has, has been has been incredible. But uh, for John McGinn, I think it was better for him to go to England. I think that's the bottom line. He's went to England. He's got promotion. He's went into the Premiership as if he's always been there. He's, he's yeah. just absolutely slipped into there seamlessly. And his performance levels and confidence and belief has just went through the roof. Thank you very much for your call, David. Let's go to the next line and speak to Brian from Stirling. What's your point, Brian? Good evening, chaps. Slightly off the, my original point, I'm going to quickly tell you one thing. John McGinn was never, ever, ever, ever going to Celtic. They could have offered £12 million and Hibs would have snapped their money up and John McGinn had already made this statement. Now, here's where I know his agent is a friend of mine and a friend of the families, and he was never going to Celtic. So let's put that one to bed right now. It's a silly statement to make. John McGinn was never going to Celtic. End of story. What I'm going to talk about... He was though, going to Celtic, Brian. He would have gone to Celtic. 
He wouldn't have. He would have. I can tell you, gut. No, you're, no, I'll, I'll tell you, have. and I know better than you. He would have gone to Celtic. Right. That's a hundred percent. Anyway, move on. Carry on. Anyway, we'll move on. So here's here's the thing, right? We've got a manager in place, the new, who at Scotland level, because that's who I'm on to speak about, Stevie Stevie Clark, who's proven himself the bits and things that come up. But a luck. He would have he would have been in a better position than he's at the now. Uh, look at the managers. Look at the managers that are getting. I mean, uh, Pochettino or whatever it is because it's public opinion. All right, he's done in 14. This is a guy that that was the European uh, Cup uh, finalist, European Cup uh, Champions League finalist last year. The shyster that is Mourinho stepped into the job. So Scotland had a great wee manager in Gordon Stacker. And I know it was an offensive option for the, the guys that suits at um, the SFA. If, if we'd continued doing the line and just stuck with it, without their public opinion, or was it a Celtic or a, the Rangers thing, you know, hey, against them, be Stacking. Stacking had a brilliant Scotland team, a, a, a progressive Scotland team. And the boys, that the, the person who's getting the, the fruit of that labour right now I mean, I'm going to forget about McLeish in between because he was a disaster. But the guy who's getting the fruit of that Gordon Strachan era is Stevie Clark. So what my what my point is is that regardless of whether we have a you know it's been 1998 since we have we need a different formula. We need to work with this guy. We need to give him the tools because he's a good manager. He's a good old-fashioned Scottish manager. You saw that, that he got a reaction out of the boys last night in the second half, but he got a reaction in a way that was particularly Scottish because, in, you know, like when we were kids, you know, we went to tournaments, we, we, we qualified for things, we punched above our weight, and all this, oh, we're no this tier or that tier. You know, let's work to the Scottishness of the game rather than trying to be Europeans or, you know, uh, you know like play like a, style, a particular style. Work to like what we've done in that second half. Get in there, make sure that they know they're in a game, and, and use the flair players like the McGinn's, like the Christie's, be McGregor. And I mean, I just think that if if there's a public outcry that we don't make this tournament, and it costs that Stevie Clark his job, that we're doing the same thing as what we've done to Gordon Strachan. Gordon Strachan should still be in that job. And no disrespect to Stevie Clark, I think he's in the same mould, but Gordon Strachan was progressing in the job, and we can't say that about any of the managers we've had since, you know, way back, you know, that I remember, you know, since Alex Ferguson, since... Yeah. Um, um, I know what you're saying about Gordon Strachan, Brian, and I agree with your point, but also, if I put myself in the SFA shoes, I think it was time for a change in terms of... He did have two campaigns... We didn't qualify. We did come close, particularly getting to the last game um, for two thousand uh, Euro two thousand and sixteen. But I didn't think at the time that we would get a better manager than Gordon Strachan, somebody with a better CV. I thought that was always going to be difficult. I can understand why they went for Michael O'Neill back then, and it didn't work out. But as much as I, I agree, I rate Gordon Strachan. I think he was a good Scotland manager. Ultimately, didn't he do what he was paid to do, and that's to get us to qualify. But I did think it was time for a change. Um, you know that's the way I think it it has to go. And and now that we've got Steve Clark in place, like I said, I think that um, 
Come March for these playoff games Considering we look at the, the potential first uh, opponents for the, If you want to call it the semi-final Then I think that um, we're in a really strong position To go and qualify So I know what you're saying about Gordon Strat I tend to agree But also can see the SFA's point Why they wanted to change when they did yeah, I mean, the first thing I said, you mentioned <laughs> Josie Mourinho and called him a shyster, which is a disgrace, to be honest with you, Brian. He's one of the most successful managers in football history. Outstanding uh, record of, of, of winning uh, trophies at the top level. Um, so how you can say that, I'll never know. But regarding Stevie Clark, you know, I, I kind of get back to, you know, we have to move on. Sometimes, you know, we're people saying, but, well, you know, would Celtic regret not signing John McGinn? Will Scotland regret not having gone? So that, that's gone. These things are done. So what we do is we get behind the current manager, the current manager, Steve Clark. Uh, he needs everyone's support. He needs everyone's uh, belief in him. And we've got two, possibly two massive matches to come up um, next year. And that's really all that matters, as Mark says. You know, you can forget that campaign. Now, that campaign's gone. It's fin- done, finished. Good, bad, or indifferent, it's away. We've got two games to focus on. We've got one, really, to focus on. Get that semi-final, get a win. And then focus on the final, and that's it, really, in a nutshell. Oh, one four one nine five one one zero two five. Thank you, Brian, uh, giving us a call tonight. We'll take, uh, we'll, uh, we'll continue taking your calls. I should say at Clyde SSB if you want to get involved in Twitter. We'll hear from the main man from last night, Stevie Clark, and also John McGinn next, and we'll get the travel with Amber. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Road Accident Solicitors. The compensation you deserve when you've been sidelined. Talk to Thompson's.com. Welcome back to the show It's 25 past 6 It's Stephen Mill In for Gordon Duncan A wee bit chat I get, This will be my last night On Super Scoreboard Gordon will be back tomorrow But we'll reveal a wee bit more About that after 7 o'clock Because it's mm-hmm. going to be Quite fun I think So hey, we're chatting about Scotland at this moment in time And it seems like The main focus Is about John McGinn He has been in sensational form For the national side So let's hear what his manager Steve Clark Had to say about it John's in a fantastic Run of form He's been great for Aston Villa Over the last couple of seasons anyway And he's starting to bring that Into the the national stage or the international stage, if you like, and it's very—it's—it's it's also very important to remember that that John is still in the early stages of his international career, and the more the more games you play at this level, the better you become. The more experience you get at this level, the better the team will become, and that's what we're doing at the moment. These these boys are getting their caps; they're, they're getting a little bit more experience. You look at someone like Stephen Naismith, who's a great example to them all. Stephen plays with good experience at this level. And it was great to see Nasey get his goal as well. Mark Weedy and Jim Duffy in the studio with me tonight. Um, Steve Clark obviously will be delighted to have someone like John McGinn. He's a manager's dream, isn't he? Yeah, he's been he's been brilliant. He's, he's really you know you know stepped up to the plate. A great determination. You can see a better maturity in him. Obviously playing in the uh, in the Premiership for the past three months. He, he's just taken to that without a problem. Lit up the Championship last season down south. We've just discussed it there at the, the the break with him. And I think John McGinn now, I don't think Aston Villa will say on January. I think you, they gave him a new contract. I'll say that next summer, John McGinn will join one of the top four in England for a minimum 40 million quid. I think that will happen. Is that the sort of price and range? I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up at Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Is that the sort of price range, Jim Duffy, you think? Yeah, I think so. Nowadays, you know, that's the thing. Particularly when you play in England, I mean, <laughs> the whole debate up here is about Morelos and Edward and all these kind of things, what they're worth. But listen, you know, that's just the nature of playing in Scotland. But uh, in England, if you if you can do it, the Championship straight away, he's probably that probably makes him a twenty twenty five million pound player. But doing it in the Premiership, yeah, you're right. Maybe even doubles that. So there'll be it's, there'll be a lot if he continues progressing as quickly as he has done. 
then they'll de- definitely land with Marker. There'll be a number of clubs, uh, top clubs, um, looking for them. Um, and, and, you know, whether Aston Villa want to cash in was up to them. But um, if they stay in the Premier League, first and foremost, that'd be a huge bonus to them. And then if they get the, the you know, if John then gets that, that next move, then off all credit to him. But I, I like the way John McGinn plays. Matt has used the term maturity that he has, but he's also still got that kind of almost a natural enthusiasm right. for playing you like, know like all, a school boy yeah, in the yeah, almost, yeah just yeah, still, still mean, seems to yeah, yeah. still seems to just love playing football Aye. but he does he's, he's cleverer you know as well but, and he's got that wee bit of game noise now but he just seems to play almost off the cuff at times yeah. uh, with that that energy enthusiasm a smile on his face and almost like I don't care who I'm playing against I think I can take care of this guy doesn't matter who it is doesn't matter if it's a, a top superstar or someone you've never heard of. John McGinn just seems to begin with that mentality and I, and I love that about him and adding so many goals to these games yeah. as well uh, Steve from Renfrew has given us a shout uh, you're a Celtic fan uh, we were chatting about this earlier on obviously that's in the past in terms of if John McGinn could have signed for Celtic etc et how far can this guy go uh, Steve what do you think? I think he's a top talent, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I agree with the guys, but it's in his, his future work. What I would say on the point of John McGinn uh, signing for Celtic is that the player that John McGinn is now, I don't think would be the same player we'd have if he had signed for Celtic. And I'll, I'll tell you why. He's had a season in the Championship with Aston Villa, and you've got to admit, Championship, he's playing against players there that are of a quality and of a quantity all the time, a full season. In Scotland, you're not getting that. The best players are going to be the top two teams, basically. So you're only getting tested maybe three or four times a season. So his development with Celtic over the last year and a bit, he wouldn't have been the player he is now, I don't think. And for me, I think that's better for Scottish football. He did leave. So as a Celtic fan, yeah, they wanted to come to Celtic. But now, the player he is, I don't think he would have been the same. He developed the same. He'd probably got to that level at some stage. But he's gotten there quicker, playing in a higher quality league against better players week in week out are constantly testing them training at a higher level uh, as well um, so for me the team itself I've got just now I don't miss John McGinn the John McGinn of Hibs I would miss him as the John McGinn of Aston Villa and I don't think we could afford him because as you say 40 million pound player definitely plus that uh, that's not the kind of player we can afford to get that, that kind of money at this moment in time yeah, I think Steve makes good points here. I, mean, I think that he's if, if he's saying for Celtic, Celtic's dominating most of the games where they're on the front foot. Other aspects of the game take a little bit longer to learn. You know, you have to play in the European games, for instance, to get maybe that defensive side of it and that tactical side because Celtic, as I say, they're dominating it. Whereas in the Championship, you maybe get that quicker because there's so many competitive games. Uh, 46 league games for a start, you know, so you're playing, you know, with cup games over 50 games. Um, you know, obviously, people can look at the European side for Celtic, not having that experience. But over that period of time, I think I think Steve Steve's right. I think he, he learns maybe more, you know, over that one year at all different levels of his game. You know, not just the technical side, not just the you know the support and play side, you know the you know um, attacking side, but all the other aspects. I think if you look at say McGregor, for instance, with Celtic, the first couple of years, everyone thought he was a good player. But he was a nice player. Yeah. Now they're looking at almost a complete midfield player. Mm-hmm. But that took him maybe three or four years. So I think that I think that's a fair comment for Steve. Do you think that his development has accelerated going down south, Mark? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I think Steve's absolutely uh, right. I think he would have been a success at Celtic. There's no doubt he would have been a success at Celtic. But going down the road and getting into the Premiership after one year um, has certainly, yes, accelerated as, as the 
the right word Still a quality player Would still have improved Going to Celtic mm-hmm. But I think going down south Has worked wonders for him And anything else We talk about Is hypothetical Exactly Let's uh, go to the next line Thank you very much For your call Steve And speak to Josh From Irvine uh, You're a Rangers And also a Scotland fan And I'm guessing You're a fan of John McGinn as well Yes guys um, Absolutely uh, Just I, I don't think there's, there's I'm at a loss for words With John McGinn I, I said a couple of years ago To my mates When um, When Hibs were coming up And I thought That that John McGinn was going to be a seriously good player and he was going to play at a very high level. But since since he's moved to Villa, he's actually confounded my, my, my own expectations. I think now he's in a different stratosphere to, to anything that I thought it could be. Um, you seen last night his energy levels, he's that big bummer has, the way he just turns players. Um, and... He's act, since he's went to Villa, I think he's maybe moved forward a bit uh, into a more, an even more attacking role, and that's actually turned him into a, a more all-rounded player. Um, and I want to thank him as well for uh, putting my coupon up last night. So always, <laughs> always a bonus. That's yeah. the, that's the thing, Josh. I mean, just to see him uh, add goals to his games, fantastic as well. Yeah, I mean, I, and I mean, we don't. We're not a team that has a lot of goal threats. Um, you know, and, and, and going forward, I really think that he is going to be central to what Stevie Clark is planning to do with the team um, in terms of that kind of centre, centre attack and mid-stroke, centre mid-role pushing forward. Um, last night, I think that there were a lot of positives from last night. Um, I don't know if the guys will agree with me, though, um, just on uh, to, to touch on something else on Scott McKenna. Um I think, personally, I think that Scott McKenna is stagnating a wee bit at Aberdeen. I think when he wanted to remove last um, transfer window, I think it was last transfer window anyway, I think that was the time that he probably should have moved. I think he's a wee bit stagnant at Aberdeen. And, and actually, from what I've seen over the last two Scotland games, I think he's actually going backwards a wee bit, which is a shame because I think he's, he's probably one of the biggest prospects for Scotland going forward I don't know what the guys with Mark and Jim think of that uh, yeah, I, I, you know funny if you say to me who they prefer the Scott McKenna of 18 months ago or so or, or the Scott McKenna of now I'd be tempted to say the Scott McKenna of 18 months ago I think you're right and that's with the greatest respect to Aberdeen I think there's, there's a natural point of the pattern of the ways where Aberdeen cash in where they could have I know for sure they could have had oh, 7 million quid for him and, and, and they knocked it back Um and, and probably the boy wanted to go but Aberdeen um, stood firm which credit to him for that in many ways but I think one thing about Scott McKenna and his defence in terms of Scotland he needs to find a settled partner and only then now who that partner is I don't know only Steve Clark's going to know that um, but I don't think that's done him any favours not having a settled partner but but yeah when we were talking a minute I, I saw about John McGinn's uh, progress how it's accelerated I, I would agree with you I think Scott McKenna's probably you know it's been a bit um, it's been a bit stagnant of like yeah, I mean, he's had a stop start. He's had, he's had injuries, and that that doesn't help. And when you, and as Mark says, when you've had different partners off off at Aberdeen, yeah. you know, Mike Devon was injured, and then Constantine was in, and then you know they've had different players in. So there's he, he hasn't really got himself settled into either the Aberdeen side on a regular basis or the Scotland side, and I think that definitely hinders you. But I agree in the sense I wouldn't say he's stagnated Aberdeen, but I don't think he's progressed as much. And again, sometimes you can play in your head. You might think, oh, that opportunity I had to maybe move is maybe gone and all these sort of things start to start to uh, impact on your game. 
But he's got to clear his head He's got to get Get back to playing On a regular basis Aberdeen can be more consistent They have been a bit more recently That'll help him So for me He needs Another You know Half a season or more Certainly up until next summer He has to now Look for consistency If he finds that Being 6 foot 3 Being left footed Being quick Being a centre back There will be Opportunities to move So he's got to put The last couple of months Behind him And then move forward again in terms of John McGinn, listen, I, I was the manager of Morton when John McGinn is playing the same division, uh, played against him four times at Hibs, probably watched him at least probably another half a dozen times through watching Hibs play. I never, and I'll be honest with you, I never seen John McGinn going to this level as quick as that. Never. But someone mm-hmm. said to me from down south, what do you think? And I've said, ah, he's a decent player, he's strong, he's powerful, he's he, he's fitness up box to box. But I never thought he had as much in him. So fair play to the boy because I think he deserves an enormous amount of credit for having the mentality to go and play at that level and not by and not be phased by it one percent. Yeah, it has been fantastic. Let's hear from the man himself. Enjoying the way the team's playing. It seems to be benefiting me and obviously benefiting the squad. It was it was well documented how bad a start to the campaign was and it was we weren't playing well, we weren't contributing and uh, and that's probably why the the crowds have been so little. But if the Scottish support the um the ones that were here tonight they saw a performance in the second half which hopefully gets bums back on seats and I'm sure in the, the playoff games in March it will be a, a full house here and hopefully we can perform like that. It's important I think the first time since I've been involved in the squads there's been two starting 11s that, that have stayed the same. It's not very often that happens so it's good to get a bit of continuity and um, we're starting to get used to each, how each other play. I think me and Aze seem to have a good relationship up top and um, <laughs> there seems to be partnerships developing all across the park so it's only positive, it was massively important that we won these two games and, and we've managed to do that, so hopefully building that for March. Josh, are you feeling positive ahead then of the playoffs this coming March? I really am, guys. That, that was the other thing I kind of wanted to touch on with Um Last night, I thought, was, was really um, a demonstration of the stark difference to what Stevie Clark is, is beginning to, to get going for. Is right now, I know it was only Kazakhstan, but last night, we had a poor first half, um, all in, I thought we dominated, but um, without kind of being lethal, lethal enough in the final third, I thought their goal was a bit of a fluke. It was a bit of a blend of a fluke and poor defending from Scott McKenna. But um, I, I thought at half time Stevie Clark went in, he addressed the situation. I, I don't think he would have went in and gave the hairdryer treatment, but I think he, because I think he's a, a better operator than that. I think he would have went and addressed what we were doing wrong. And you've seen in the second half that we came out and we just dominated, you know, time after time. Palmer on the right, who I was actually very impressed with, um, you know, and uh, um, on the left-hand side Taylor. as well. Taylor, Taylor. I, Taylor, I thought was OK as well. Um, and I thought the team last night actually done themselves no harm for the playoffs coming up. I think the likes of Robertson obviously will come in for Taylor and I think possibly McTominay will come in but I think Stevie Clark really starting to see the difference now as to what Stevie Clark is doing uh, with the team which which is what you know the Scotland fans have all really been wanting for a long period of time but having said that it's not a gimme these playoffs you know there's still a lot of work for Stevie Clark to do in terms of building um, and if we don't make these playoffs then we still need to just keep pushing on and give Stevie Clark more time Thank you very much for your call, Josh. We are going to focus on those playoffs in just a wee second. It's 0141 at 951 at 1025. Clyde One's Cash for Kids Mission Christmas. In partnership with Wholesale Domestic Bathrooms Hillington. Proud to support Cash for Kids. 
We are rapidly approaching Christmas now and you'll note this time of year it's all about making plans with friends and family but it isn't like that for many people across Glasgow in the West. It's just another day so we want to make Christmas Day a different day for these kids this year and different means having money in the meter, a hot meal or maybe even a small gift as well. You can make this happen by supporting Clyde One's Cash for Kids at Mission Christmas this year and to hear exactly what difference your money makes. Just listen to this. I love my mum and I want to make her feel better so we can do things together again. Me and my brother try our hardest. Um, to help her with things around the house and we know just to leave her alone when she's really sore because she gets headaches a lot and feels sick a lot. I do all these things for my mum because I love her so much and she means a lot to me. That's Lily who has to take care of her mum who is sadly unwell and there's so many people like Lily across Glasgow in the West and you can really make a difference to them this year. We can't always make it a magical day but with your help we can make it a different day for thousands of kids across Glasgow in the West with Cash for Kids Mission Christmas with Wholesale Domestic Bathrooms Hillington and Clyde One. If you want to ensure your donation helps a child in Glasgow in the West this Christmas then please help Cash for Kids to donate money to this year's Mission Christmas appeal. Just head online right now to ClydeOne.com and Clyde One Super Scoreboard continues next. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's Personal Injury Solicitors, the league leader for compensation. Talk to Thompson's.com. Welcome back to the show. It is quarter to seven. Jim Duffy and Mark Greedy join me in the studio tonight. Beat the Pundit is coming up in the next 50 minutes. And I hate to say it to you, lads, the pundits have been on cracking form the past week or so. So since I've been on last Thursday, there has not been a defeat for the pundits. So the pressure's on you two tonight, lads. So just bear uh, that in mind. Well, you know, something has to change now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that is true. Uh, your chance to take on one of the guys a wee bit later on. Uh, we've been chatting about Scotland. Let's focus on the playoffs now. As I mentioned, it is either Israel, Bulgaria, Hungary or uh, sorry Israel, Bulgaria, Hungary or Romania and uh, Steve Clark's been chatting about that as well But listen is, is another good result great reaction for the players in the second half particularly I thought we, we played a lot of really good stuff uh, we looked a threat going forward created a lot of chances I think nine shots on target is, is good so three points another win uh, three wins in a row so I don't know about any you guys or the media or whatever, but the boys in the dressing room are feeling good about themselves. I think with this group of players, I can be very optimistic because I know what I know what they are thinking in that dressing room. I know they're 100% committed to their country. I know they're desperate to get to a major tournament, Euro 2020s. So we can we can be very very optimistic. Let's go to the lines and speak to Davy from Wishaw because I think you're a little bit less optimistic, pessimistic even, Davy. Yes, I'm panel. Good evening. Hi, um, I, I went to the game last night with uh, my young boy and, you know, we'll be totally embarrassed if you get to the Euros. I would prefer if we built a decent young team, get some Scott Gemmels players through, and a good young team to challenge because we will be totally embarrassed at the Euros. Bear in mind, we have played San Marino, Cyprus and Kazakhstan and we've been very fortunate Apart from the San Marino game, we've been very fortunate. Cyprus outplayed us on Saturday. Out, totally outplayed us. And last night, we were very fortunate with Barge on the goalkeeper, the Kazakhstan goalkeeper that gave us their goal. And really, I mean, I've listened to Super Scoreboard for a long, long time, but I don't agree with the panel. And the Garden John McGinn is a fantastic player. But, Goals against these teams doesn't make him a brilliant player. 
Well, first of all, Davey, we're not we're not basing his valuation or or his progression as a player on Scotland. We're basing it actually probably eighty percent of it what he's doing for Aston Villa week in week out in the Premiership and for the year before that. So what he scoring two goals last night and scoring is it five games in a row now he scored for Scotland. Um, that but you know we're, we're talking about that. But in terms of the valuation or the fact that I said I think he'll end up at one of the big four in England um, in the, the the summer transfer window, I'm not basing that on scoring against Kazakhstan. Or Cyprus That said it doesn't do him any harm But it's what he does for Aston Villa uh, In terms of taking Scott Gemmell's teams And won't be embarrassed I have to be honest uh, Davey having um, Worked um, for the past 10 campaigns At Scotland Having made it And having been at France 98 As part of the media And been at tournaments before that I would take being embarrassed all day long Just to get there And I don't think that Scotland will be embarrassed We don't know the draw I think they'll be in with England If they do qualify They'll have two games at Hamden so I don't think yeah. Scotland will be embarrassed I'm not saying that they're going to do wonderfully well But for me I would rather have us Just get through in March and enjoy it And the, the, the whole country having something to look forward to A new generation of something to look forward to Maybe one or two new heroes Emerging We need that So um, I hope that, no, you are, I hope that your attitude Isn't much. spreading around the country Because I'm really surprised and really disappointed With, with what you've said Davey Well I'm really um, I'm really totally the opposite of you Mark Because um, Stephen Naismith has come to the end of his time as well. He just came back to a serious injury, although he scored last night. Mm-hmm. But and what's wrong with that? If you're, really, end, if you're at the end of your career, what's wrong with that? But, there's nothing wrong with it. But, my, my, but why are you picking up on it then? What's your point about it? Well, my point about it is Scotland are playing the players that they need to play at this minute in time. There's that many players pulled out. And I thought there was a ruling on this that um, we Arsenal. And with Robertson right, maybe injuries and they're just coming back, but there's supposed to be a ruling on this. I think Robertson's probably going to miss this. Liverpool's game anyway, but to get back to your point, I don't understand your point. I think you're trying to find fault and be negative to say it. Just because Stephen A. Smith happens to be 34 or whatever and he's only played a handful of games this season, what is wrong with that? Well, to be perfectly honest, do you think Stephen A. Smith will make Euros if we get there? You I'd like to think so. I hope for his sake, yeah. So you can only go on what he's doing last night. We don't know what will happen six months um, in the future. But I'll ask you again, what is wrong with the fact that a guy's 34 years old? What is wrong with it? If he's making a contribution. We've been looking for a number nine for the best part of a year now. We've happened to find one who's led the line, who's been under our noses all the time, but he's been injured. So should we not be saying that's great? We've found a number nine if Stephen A. Smith can stay fit. Whether he's 24, 34 or 39, what does it matter as long as he's doing well? Well, he's done well against lesser teams, Mark. That's my opinion. But he's, yeah, but what, what does it matter? He can only play against what's there. So yeah, what is it? You don't want him to play. You don't want him to do well no, in the playoff in no, March no. because no, he's thirty-four. No, this is my point. He's doing well against lesser teams. Uh-huh. If he comes up against, if we get there, and he comes up against class teams. Scotland will be found out. That's my opinion. Oh, and, and you're right. They will get found out. We're not going to go and win it. But why do you not want to get there? We'll never win it. But well, exactly. So why don't you want to just get there us, and just enjoy it? I would love us. I would love us to get there, but going there be a, a a younger team who's he's trying to build for the future for us. Because well, up until now, it's all been players that's came in, came back. Um, when Scott Brown retired, and Al McGregor retired for the game, they, then players are phoning up that you know I'm injured or I'm no I'm no going. There's an excuse there every time. What I'm trying to say, what my point is here is when Scotland get to this 
if we get to the Euros, we will be totally embarrassed. No, we won't. Well, David, we will move on and go to the next line because I think John Paul in Fault House has a slightly different opinion. John Paul, how are you doing tonight, pal? Evening, panel. How's it going? Very good. Uh, I'm just a, I'm actually listening to that call there, right? And I actually cannot believe what I'm listening to. You know, we're going about Steve Clark coming to do a job, get us to get us to a, a, um, a, a major tournament, which he's not done. Now, this caller is on there sitting saying that if we get there, we'll get embarrassed, we should be building for the future. So you're basically just saying to fans, can we? Don't worry about the next 10, 12 years. We're just going to build for the future and, and uh, he's all be happy with that. That is absolute nonsense. I mean, absolute nonsense. Um, Steve Clark's come in, although it's been, it's been the best of campaigns, he's won in the last three games. Uh, he's got players playing in different positions, like John McGinn up the park, scoring more goals. He's he played a team, uh, the same team, two games in a row, which he's not been able to do, you know. There's something happening. Now, I, I, again, I'm optimistic. But I want to get to the tournament and, and how is to say we're going to get Barris? You know, that's like saying, I'd love to know what club that guy supports. You know, that's like saying, Brendan Rodgers, or, uh, sorry, Neil Lennon or Stephen Gerrard said, you know what, we're just not going to forget. We'll forget about Europe for, this, uh, for the next five years. We're just going to build for the future. What's that? What? How, how can you keep Scotland fans happy? How can, how can you do it? That's what I want to know. Yeah, it's a very what, difficult what job, John Paul. Yeah, a very difficult job to keep everybody happy because you're right. I mean, I think the vast majority just want to get to a major tournament because it lifts everybody. And that optimism and enthusiasm and energy, it just makes it so difficult. I mean, think about if at this moment in time, England will qualify, Wales will qualify. Ireland and Northern Ireland are in the playoffs alongside Scotland. If all of those teams, if those four other teams qualify and Scotland uh-huh. don't, everyone's sitting in the... The, in holiday, you know, in 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 June That's what happened the last time, yeah, Euro exactly. 2016. Jim. You know, everyone's yep. sitting. Every every other part of the country sitting there thinking, all oh, our team's in it, and everyone's getting excited about it, except for Scotland. It is depressing, then. You know, so for for me, I agree with you. I mean, if you if you if you don't want to go and compete, you know, then you know you know you've got to try against the best. That's how you improve. But just get there and. Listen, there's teams like we've just seen how Finland celebrated. Finland aren't thinking, oh, we'll go and win this. I don't think Wales are thinking we'll go and win this. But but the the just that enthusiasm just is just so um you know important for football. And every and I think it helps the domestic game. Because I think I think yeah. everyone during the summer really gets up for it. And then when the new season starts, everyone's got that wee bit extra optimism for their teams. John Paul, you want to come back in quickly there? Ah, you just quickly. Um I watched a game last well, week, one of the biggest games in world football, Man City v Liverpool. And Man City played Liverpool off the park. I've never played them off the park, but Liverpool were ruthless because Klopp done his homework and set up in a way where he could attack a counter. So they said, today we're going to get embarrassed. No, that, that's all I was because it just showed Man City are a better football team than Liverpool, but they're clearly no doing better. Thank you very much for your call, John Paul. And it's time for this. I've uh, pressed the wrong button there, but it was meant to be. That is the tense music that you will hear for Beat the Pundit. I see how I turned that around there. So it's Mark Guidi and Jim Duffy. If you fancy taking them on tonight and breaking the pundit streak, then it's 0141 951 1025. You have until the start of the news to get involved. And Clyde One Super Scoreboard continues next. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's personal injury solicitors. The form team for compensation for more than 40 years talk to thompsons.com welcome back to Clyde One at Super Scoreboard it's me Stephen Mill in for Gordon Duncan he will be back tomorrow we'll explain more about that in just a wee second but I'm in the studio with Mark Guidi and Jim Duffy and it's time for this 
Beat the Pundit with the Scottish Sun. For the best football news and opinion online, thescottishsun.co.uk slash football. Okay, so as I mentioned, lads, it's been a pundit hot streak in this. I like looking at just the pundits' faces at this point because they all get a wee bit nervous, a wee bit shuffling around. Look at Mark, he's got his hands in his pockets and all the uh, rest of it. Body language. Uh, that's what it is. It's so on, it's gone. <laughs> let's it's find gone. out who one of you will be taking on tonight. It is Dylan Doherty from Bayliston. How are you doing, Dylan? Are you all right? Aye, not bad, mate, not bad. Up to anything? I think I would actually get through a bit, Ah, well, there you go. You never know. <laughs> uh, up to anything exciting tonight? Studying for exams next week. All oh, right, what are you studying? Anything exciting? Marine engineering. Marine engineering, right? Okay, so I've got, I've got, I've got no chat on that. So we'll move on. Uh, who do you fancy <laughs> taking on, Mark Guidi or Jim Duffy? Either. Either. He's no fussy, right? Okay, Mark. Mark, you are heads, and Jim, you are tails. I'll flip the coin just now. Coin has been flipped, and tails never fails. Jim Duffy, you are up tonight. I'm going to put uh, Clyde Two into your headphones. So you're on Clyde Two now. Give me a thumbs up. Good stuff. And uh, Dylan, you are up first. So are you ready to beat the pundit tonight, Dylan? I'll try my best, eh? You'll try your best. That's uh, Hopefully it's good enough. We will get 30 seconds on the clock. And Dylan, you can beat the pundit in 30 seconds. Your time starts now. Who scored a double for John uh, for Scotland last night? John again. <laughs> Which current Premiership club was founded in 1869? Come on, Who will Rangers Colts face in the Challenge Cup semi-finals? Who was confirmed as Jack Ross's assistant at Hibs yesterday? Pass. How many footballs appear on Aberdeen's badge? One. Who's the current manager of Livingston? Oh, I don't know. Oh, Dylan. Right, okay. No worries. Hang about on the line. I'm going to get Jim Duffy back in the room. What were you listening to there? Anything gold spandown ballet. Oh, excellent. Brilliant Dylan stuff. Out. Right, okay. So <laughs> Dylan has already gone. Jim Duffy, you are up next, and your 30 seconds start now. Who scored a double for Scotland last Come night? Again. Who? Which current Premiership club were founded in 1869? Ooh, Rangers. Who will Rangers Coles face in the Challenge Cup semi finals? Uh, Inverness Who was confirmed as Jack Rossi's assistant at Hibs yesterday? How many footballs appear on Aberdeen's badge? Two Who is the current manager of Livingston? Gary Holt Which Hamilton player will be sidelined until the new year with knee surgery? Gary McKinnon Who was the second Scottish club that Lee Griffiths played for? Livingston Oh Oh dearie me Dearie me Jim Duffy Let's go to the answers then Bring Dylan back on And find out how he's both done So Who scored a double for Scotland last night? It was of course John McGinn So you both got that one right 1-1 Which current Premiership club Was founded in 1869? You said Rangers, Jim Dylan, you got the correct answer It was Kilmarnock You are 2-1 in front Under pressure already, Jim Duffy Who will Rangers Colts face In the Challenge Cup semi-finals? You said Inverness, Dylan which is the correct answer. And uh, you so you got mm-hmm. that one as well, so three that's 3-2. Two. <laughs> Who's been confirmed as Jack Rossi's assistant at Hibs? You passed on that one, Dylan. You got that one right, because it was John Potter. Well done, Jim Duffy. So we are at 3-3 three, three now. How many footballs appear on Aberdeen's badge? The answer, 
is one. So Dylan, you got that one correct. Jim Duffy, you said two, yeah. and that is incorrect. So four, three. Who's the current manager of Livingston? You passed on that one, Dylan, and you got that one right. It is Gary Holt, of course. So four, four. Oh. And then the next two questions, Jim Duffy. Which Hamilton player will be sidelined until the new year after knee surgery? It's Kieran McKenna. You didn't get that one right. And who was the second Scottish club that Lee Griffiths played for? The answer Dundee. was not Livingston. Dundee. It was Dundee, Mark Weedy. So that means it's a tiebreak. Oh. Four four. So, Jim, you is need to... Is it one of Andy's tiebreakers? It's one of producer <laughs> oh, no. Andy's tiebreakers. So uh, you need to write down the answer on a <laughs> yep. sheet of paper. Okay. And uh, Dylan, you just hang on the line and I'll read the question right now. So... Here it is, the tiebreaker mm-hmm. for Beat the Pundit on Wednesday night, Clyde One Super Scoreboard. During which minute did John Hartson open the scoring in the 2002 Scottish Cup final? The Rangers went on to win 3 2 against Celtic. Write your answer down, Jim Duffy. John Hartson, 3 2. Um, am I just a guess now? Yes. Hold up, hold up, hold up. We have an answer from Jim Duffy. And Dylan, what is your guess? 19. <clears throat> 19th Dylan And what did you say Jim Duffy Let me see that again 62 minutes 62 minutes I'm not that clue <laughs> Completely random Do you want to be guess Mark? Well I, I, was, I know it was 3 to the Rangers So I would yeah. say I'd say it gone for the 12th minute Mark we did so gone for the 12th minute I thought it would have been early But not too early Dylan it was the 19th minute Congratulations oh, You oh, have won Bang on the button That you have beaten the pundit tonight Jim Duffy I, I, I'm being a bit cynical That just seems really Kind of Really good guess That <laughs> Dylan there You know Just, just a wee bit kind Well of... listen A sore loser Jim Duffy <laughs> In the corner there Never a good loser Congratulations well done, to yourself Dylan uh, You have beaten the pundit I'm only 19 years old That's why I said 19 That's, that's what it is That's God, what it is Right you have won Dylan Congratulations that's why I said 62 <laughs> <laughs> Right Dylan Thanks for playing Playing along, thank you, pal. Well done, Cheers. well done, Don. Jim Duffy. You've let the team down. Come on, that was that listen. Was, no, that was, that was, that was random number. This, this is my last night on Super Scoreboard, so I was hoping to go. This is a... near Christmas. You've got to be, it's, it's, it's a season <laughs> for giving. <laughs> it certainly is, right? Okay, mm-hmm. uh, speaking of which, it is my final Super Scoreboard. I've been on since last Thursday, so thank you very much for having me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gordon Duncan will be back tomorrow, but we're going to do it with a wee bit of twist because he's obviously been unwell. If you missed us earlier on in the week, uh, he had appendicitis, had to get his appendix out and all so the rest. So, did they manage to get his holiday? Did, uh, they, did they still have a good holiday? No. No. Yeah, are you joking? No, I don't know. Because <laughs> we were on last Wednesday yeah. and he was going away on holiday the, the following day. Yeah. He um, had to. He basically got to Glasgow Airport mm. and right. took ill, and oh then spent the, week, spent the weekend in Wales. First week off in what five months? That's two, a shame. It was two and a half years. He's never missed a super scoreboard. He was going on holiday for his birthday, and he never even saw a grain of sand in Dubai, That's unfortunately. But he will be back tomorrow night. He's feeling a wee bit better. Wishaw's much better in Dubai. He'll be like with Dubai. You know, Wishaw. Exactly. And I've got. I've actually got a big gig mm. on tomorrow night. I'm doing a Dunfermline supporters Q and A, so mm. I can't miss that one. So I wasn't available. Tomorrow night. So Gordon has to be back. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a Twitter poll. So he can't drive yet because he's just had surgery. So should we A make him get the train or B should we do the show live from his living room with DL and Wilson? What do you think, lads? I think get it to his house. 
I would get Hugh to go and pick him up in a taxi <laughs> <laughs> And Hugh has to pay for it I should get a bus Yeah well well, well listen it's up to you At Clyde SSB If you want to take part in the Twitter poll So is it make him get the train Or do we make him do it from his living room The the comfort of his living room I think we can afford him that He's, he's not been feeling very well recently So I think we can do it from his oh, living room Oh he's appendix <laughs> Don't even need it <laughs> Take him up to breaking <laughs> So Gordon Duncan will be back tomorrow night in some shape or form uh, you can have your say you've only got half an hour to vote on that so at Clyde SSB if you want to get involved right let's move on to some other stuff and uh, Partick Thistle a wee bit earlier on it was uh, it's been reported and uh, we've had it sort of firmed up behind the scenes here as well at Clyde 1 it's it's looking like Colin Weir is going to take over Partick Thistle in a Les Hutchison Motherwell style, buy the club, then sell it back to the fans. Your initial reaction to that, Mark Goody? Uh, I'm very pleased about that, Stephen. I think Colin Weir's been the right man for the for the club. He, he's put his his, his money in um, years ago. The training ground, you know, he put his, a five or six year. Uh, agreement in place for the youth academy to make sure that that had a chance to grow uh, and prosper um, without knowing an awful lot about the consortium from down south um, all I'd say is I think that that's excellent news um, and I think it will bring stability back to, to Partick Thistle and move them forward in the right way and of course uh, Jim one of your former clubs of course yeah. and Ian McCall's come in as manager mm-hmm. um, I guess it's just about turning Thistle around because things hadn't been going well for a, a long time now yeah, I mean, the last couple of years has been a difficult period for, for Thistle and um, obviously Ian's went in there. And I mean, he has to focus on the first team and focus on getting them towards that um, playoff position and, and and hopefully promotion because ultimately that's what Patrick Thistle, you know, are looking to achieve. Well, you know, Ian can do it this year or next year, but certainly that, that'll be his remit. I think Colin, uh, we are coming in and obviously we, with, the, you know, with the supporters, and they are, they'll be looking at the, the protection of the club for the longer term, you know, mm-hmm. for the next 10, 20, 30 years. But for Ian, as a manager, he'll be focused on the next maybe 18 months because that's all you can do as a manager if you're lucky. So, um, but I think that'll give them, as Matt said, it'll give them stability. Um, you know, and again, as I said, that's really important. Um, you know, for any club nowadays, would love to have that possibility of a, of a, of a, a local investor uh, with, with the club with at the heart, heart. It's the most important thing club. And, club I, and I think every other club will, will be jealous Of Partick Thistle But I think uh, I think the Thistle fans Should be delighted And, and, and should be Should be really looking forward to, to a bright future now Well let's hear from you then Jags fans 01419511025 If you want to give us a call This evening What are your thoughts Colin we are Believed to be on the verge Of taking over Partick Thistle In a sort of Les Hutchison style Motherwell situation And giving it back to the fans Over the next few years If you want to give us a call the lines are open now and at Clyde SSB as well if you want to get involved in that also Thistle were in the Challenge Cup draw today uh, so they're at home to Wraith Rovers you're a Wraith Rovers expert because you'll be playing them this season uh, as Dumbarton manager Um, a decent draw for Thistle I guess at home that's all you want in the semi-finals you want to get through and get a bit of silverware yeah again if they can get there I think it's it's a tournament where not too many people take notice of it until now until the semi-finals then once you get in the semi-finals opportunity get that final I mean you would would fancy it to, to be an Inverness uh, and Thistle final but listen Rangers Colts great experience for them playing away uh, playing at Wrexham uh, playing Wrexham last week again at Hamden uh, sorry at Hamden at Ibrox uh, 1-2-0 so th- these young players are getting experience but for Patrick Thistle I think it's a great opportunity and in the past teams that have, have done quite well in there have, have seen to be a kickstart for, for a good league campaign as well mm-hmm. so I think it gives you the confidence it gives you the belief 
Um, you know, just just everyone just seems to enjoy the day. So I think yeah, but a good day to for, for this one and, and Wraith Road. But Wraith Road was a decent side, mm-hmm. and um, you know they certainly John McGlynn, very experienced manager, there's some good players, um, and I think you know that that'll be a tough game for Thistle, but. Thistle at home should edge it. Rangers Colts are playing Inverness Caledonian Thistle mm-hmm. in the other semi final. Mark yeah. Weedy, um, is a, you know you would expect a Championship side, especially the caliber of Inverness, to take uh-huh. care of an under under twenty side. Yeah, you you, you would do, um, but you would never rule um, Rangers out. The young players have have had a couple of good results, particularly when they, they were away from home against the Solihull in the, the previous round. I think they came from three one down, so there's a fighting spirit there. Um, but yeah, you would you would fancy. Inverness, but it depends where Inverness are on the table at that time. What kind of team John Robertson might want to put out? There's a, there's a lots of different dynamics that go into it, but just to, to focus on the semi final draw, I think four teams, two attractive ties. That's exactly what the competition's needed. Yeah, I think there's uh, as Jim Duffy alluded to, there has been a bit of criticism, especially with the foreign teams coming in and yeah. the Colt teams as well. Um, but once you get to this stage, mm-hmm. for for teams you know like Partick Thistle, like Inverness, uh, like Ray Rovers as well, it's a chance to win silverware. Which let's be honest, it's it's not going to be happening. It's not going to yeah. be the Scottish Cup. No. It's not going to be the League Cup, is it? No, and also it's four Scottish teams, you know, and it's a, it's a Scottish competition. I think that's where the debate comes in Aye. whether we should be inviting English teams or Welsh teams and other teams. All this stuff into the competition, but for the sponsors, it's, it's great because it's, it's they're decent games with a decent profile. Uh, I think the the Rangers Colts will definitely bring a more of a profile because it's Rangers. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, it's Rangers, yeah. so that that helps the the competition. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it's as I say at this stage now, I think it's, it's intriguing. Uh, you know, and we'll see we'll see what happens with the four teams left in it. But I think there'll be healthier crowds. Uh, a little bit more profile and as I said um, you know we look forward to the, the semis and then the, ultimately the final yeah I think there was five and a half thousand there at Rangers on Saturday as well oh you think the Matt Warburton's team won the equivalent which was a Petrofac Cup yep. three four years ago 50,000 at Hamden yeah exactly so yeah. in terms of Partick Thistle they've got another uh, cup game at the weekend yeah. Pennycook is mm. one of the uh, romance of the yeah. cup games I guess and we've also got Auchinleck against Arbroath which looks a tasty one Lithgow Falkirk this yeah. is it's good when yeah. there are different teams in these competitions isn't it yeah I think so I think that's the the glamour of the, the Scottish Cup the you know the Bowie Hall Scottish Cup kicks in previous couple of rounds this is a round where you want to get through because the big boys came in in January Steve in the next round the draw will be made uh, on Sunday and then you, you're into the last um, 32 is it um, yeah. so the, the big teams come into play in January so I think it's a really um, attractive third round tie over the course of Friday and Saturday and um, one or two shots for me the, the, the standout one definitely Auchinleck against the Broth mm-hmm. all day long for me standout Falkirk as well on the telly interesting Lee Miller's first game David McCracken you can get party against Pennycook Pennycook bringing more than 1500 fans uh, to the game so lots of really good ties in there it's brilliant let's speak to Ian and Bears then he's a Jags fan and uh, what are you making of this Colin Weir news then Ian uh, I'm not to be honest I'm not quite sure uh, with Theresa funding for the the new training ground after the boardroom coup in which Jackie always put out and uh, put the old chairman back in again Beatty um, I'm wondering if he's going to actually invest money into the team in the club or he's just going to buy the take over the shares and hand them back over to the, the fans over a few of the years but is he going to actually invest money in the team? I guess that's what's needed Jim yeah. Duffy mm-hmm. uh, if you look at the squad I'm sure Ian McCall will be looking for funds to change things up in January 
Well, yeah, but again, you know, clubs have got to run themselves. You know, you can't, you don't always have someone coming in waving a magic wand and just throwing a ton of money at it. So if Colin Weir decides that he has his ultimate role or job is to protect Partick Thistle in the long term, I think that should be a good thing, even for Ian as a Thistle fan, he wants to see his club there for the long term. He may well invest some, some money in the short term, but I think it'll be limited. I don't think he's going to think, oh, there yeah, there's there's a few million I'm going to throw at it. So and I don't see any any problem with that. I think that as I said, the club should be structured properly, it should be run properly, and that's the most important thing. You've got a secure club. It wasn't that long ago, and Ian being a official fan will know that that the, the, the club was, was on its knees and had to have to you know ask the fans um, fundraising and, and and look at that. So, you know, as long as that side's taken away, then that relaxes the club and relaxes the players, the management, the first team management that is, and they can just focus on their job. I'm sure there will be investment, but I don't think it'll be huge. Ian, you mentioned the training ground there. That was rumoured, or it wasn't rumoured, it was actually confirmed, I think, with, with Colin Weir beforehand. Uh, would you like to see that back up and running before maybe he diverts his funds into the first team? Uh, it's a hard call. I think future-wise, you need to look at the training ground and the youth academy uh, for the future. I mean, he did come in and clear the debt previously, uh, so there's no doubt they've got a lot of debt hanging over them. But and I remember Jim because I was part of the Save the Jags fund yeah. years ago when we were really in dire straits. Mm-hmm. But we're not getting near that just now. We used to look at the money that's been put into the United to get them to where they are just now, and something like that needs to happen. Yeah, but I think Ian, you said you know you had the Save Jags fund, and and, and that 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 those type of things I think are are just still, still a warning and still suggest that you know th- things have to be done properly. You know, you, if Colin Weir, for instance, decides that he wants to move into a different thing, which he's perfectly entitled to do, the club has to be sustainable. It just can't be someone just dangling finance over you all the time. So the club has to be has to be run properly, and I think they will be. I mean, if he's going to be getting in there and he's going to be. Uh, committing his, his time and his money he will continue with the, the, the academy there's no doubt about that I think that's a case and whether it's David Beattie or another chairman comes in then obviously that might be up to the supporters ultimately because I'm sure they'll have a, they'll have a say in it but uh, for me I think it's really positive news for, for Partick Thistle and I think that uh, you know, I think the vast majority of fans, I think, would see it that way. Oh, one four one nine five one one zero two five is the number at Clyde SSB. By the way, if you want to get involved in the poll for where we're doing the show tomorrow mm-hmm. night, because Gordon Duncan is back, is it going to be in his living room, or is he making him hike it on at the train, basically, because he was obviously a wee bit unwell for earlier on in the week. We will continue with that. Get on it at Clyde SSB if you want to have your say, and we'll set up the full time teaser next on Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's personal injury solicitors. Getting you full compensation is their goal. Talk to Thompson's.com. This is Clyde One Super Scoreboard with me, Stephen Mill, in for Gordon Duncan, and we'll just try to decide. In, instead of having it in here tomorrow night and making him get the train we will be doing it in terms of uh, we'll be doing it from his bedroom or his living room I'm not sure uh, whether Gordon's bedroom is suitable for stuff like that so tomorrow night's show will be coming from Gordon Duncan's front living room if you vote for that so get to at Clyde SSB if you want to take part in our poll it's closing very shortly also we must mention some other news around today uh, Celtics Mohamed Elanoussi has been named uh, the Ladbrokes Premiership Player of the Month for October I mean he's been playing very well hasn't he? He has, he's uh, been a terrific signing um, you know Neil Lennon had identified the, the wide areas as someone he wanted to bring in and um, for Celtic to go and bring in a pair of El- a player of Elanoussi's quality um, from Southampton he has been a, a great addition uh, to the squad and has just helped 
Celtic kick on uh, For sure He's just another quality player mm-hmm. And a whole roster of quality players In Celtic's wide areas isn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's the, the evolving winger. You know, I mean, uh, you know, it used to be, we say, the winger stayed out wide, by the fullback, delivered across. That, that's that's a rarity these days. So, Elanus is similar to James Forrest, whereas he, he times his runs, he comes into those flanks a little bit like Scott Sinclair did for a couple of years as well. Mm-hmm. And he scores goals and he threatens the goal. And, he, you know, he's, 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 he gets in the blind side of defenders and his timing and his finishing is very good. So, no, he's been he's been a terrific signing for Celtic. Do you think uh, maybe come this summer that he's a player that Celtic would look to take on on a more permanent basis? Yeah, I, I've no doubt if Celtic could could um, do a deal with Southampton, they're probably going to try and do one, or I'd imagine they'd try and Fraser do one for, for Fraser Forster as well. So is there a double deal in there? I, I would personally say, see, I think that's... That Fraser Forster would be more gettable mm-hmm. in terms of because I think he would want to stay longer term as whereas maybe Elanusi might think oh, I'd rather get back down the road or whatever. But if if Celtic can open negotiations with Southampton, you never know what league Southampton is going to be ne- next season. Maybe Southampton might fancy one or two of Celtic's players. I'm not saying the top players, but you know ones that might yeah. might suit Celtic to move on. So yeah, you never know. But I, I'd certainly think Fraser Forster would be one. Elanusi, fifty fifty at best for, for a permanent move. Let's move on and uh, we'll get Craig on in just three seconds. He's got a point about Stephen Naismith in Scotland uh, that we will make. We'll also have a wee chat about Ryan Jack as well because he's, he's been fantastic the past two games for Scotland. But let's get on with a full-time teaser because we've uh, only got half an hour left-ish until the end of the show. So thanks to John for sending this one in. And if you want to send one in, it's fulltime at Clyde1.com. Uh, that's the email address that you send it into. So this is tonight's full-time teaser and you can get involved at ClydeSSB on Twitter. So for each of the 12 current pr- Premiership sites, Name the player with the most World Cup finals appearances who has played for them at some point. Okay? So it's anyone at any time in their career has played for a Scottish Premiership club, but they also have the record number of World Cup finals appearances for that club. Okay? Do you understand the question, Jim? For that country. Uh, no, for that club. For that club. So, for so, example. So, as. All oh, right, okay. How many players, many are we looking for? We are looking for 12. 12, 12. So one per yeah, team. Yeah, so one so per team. Is Henrik Larson one? Henrik Larson, yes, is a correct answer. So, Celtic. Celtic, uh, so for Celtic, right. Henrik Larson right. has 13 World Cup appearances uh, for Sweden. So he has the World Cup appearance record holder for Celtic. So they've got okay. 11 to get. So there's okay. one for each team. Um, Any other well, one? Jim Leighton, Aberdeen. Jim Leighton is an answer for Aberdeen. Yeah. And... Another. Scotland, sorry. And no, no, and another club. <laughs> oh, oh uh, Hibs. Hibs is the correct Hibs. answer. Uh, so Aberdeen and Hibs, Jim oh, Leighton. So, Scottish team so that's that's three you've got down there. So well, that's but, uh, uh, Claudio Carigia. Is an incorrect answer. No, I thought you were for the oh, uh, oh. Claudio Reina is an incorrect answer. Mm. Uh, Frank de Boer mm-hmm. is an incorrect answer. Carlos Bocanegra is an incorrect answer at Clyde SSB if you want to get involved so for each of the 12 current Premiership sides name the player with the most World Cup finals appearances who has played for them at some point okay 
So you already have <laughs> Aberdeen, Hibs and Celtic Bless you Mark And uh, we will continue that Until oh, the end I, of the well, show I'll, tell, I'll throw one more in Terry Butcher Ranger. Terry Butcher yeah. is the correct answer He has 14 appearances 982, 986 and 1990 So uh, you're looking for another 8 To get to the end of the show So that is tonight's full time teaser uh, Let's uh, speak to Craig Who is in Cumbernauld tonight Craig, thank you for hanging on the line I know you've been hanging on a wee while there What's your point about Stephen Naismith? I don't worry there how you doing, gents? Um, I will just very quickly before I do my point. Um, there was a caller on. Um, I think it was maybe the first caller. Uh, he was talking about Gordon Strachan and all the rest of it. And um, I think Mark Reedy was, was talking about you know the, the CV Strachan head and stuff. I, I, I think when people are talking about Strachan and then McLeish and stuff like that, I actually feel that we're we're really overly harsh on Alex McLeish. He took an absolute battering from the Scottish fans since he left, and you know, yes, it didn't click ultimately but we also have to remember we have the opportunity in March because of McLeish McLeish was the, the one that guided the team against you know he's back right up against the wall um, in that Nations League um, to do it yes of course he should be beating teams that are being in Israel nobody's going to say otherwise but the fact was you know he uh, he did and has guided there and in terms of his CV and got on Strachan's well as far as silverware goes they're pretty much identical none of them have won silverware as a manager out with um, Scotland, as far as I'm aware. I think Alex, uh, Alex, Alex McLeish won, won the League Cup. Cup yeah. Yeah. He did, sorry. Alex McLeish has won one, my apologies. So, um, and certainly when he was in Scotland, he won leagues with Rangers, he won a treble with Rangers, he gave the Rangers to the last 16. So he's not a bad manager. He just had a bad run at the end of his Scotland one, tenure. One, two. One, two um, trebles with Rangers. Two, well, exactly. Um, so I think that's a valid point to make. Yeah, uh, um, and I, I just feel that's a valid point to make because you know, it's a great point you've made, Craig, in terms of the nation league. You know, we, we shouldn't forget that. And yeah, you're right. We would expect over four games to come top of that group, but we're a wee bit fragile. And you think at the start, you know, it was a wee bit hear them scare him at times. So yeah, you're right. Um, Alan McLeish got us here, and he does deserve um, enormous credit for it. And and I agree with you too. I just thought I didn't think it was great in terms of out with that. Um, some of the results, the performances. Um, the reasons for that, you know, players pulling out. The reasons for that, we're not a hundred percent sure, and we'll never really get to it. We'll never be made public. But I thought the way that he was treated um, by some of the supporters and by some of the people in the media, just as a person, as a human being, I thought at times was absolutely disgusting, and I really felt for him. Absolutely, um, you know. So that is why I made that point because I felt, you know, somewhere down the line it had made. In terms of uh, Naismith, what I wanted to point out, I honestly feel watching Stephen Naismith last night in the Scotland team, it was a relief for me to actually see us have a striker playing up front that when he got the ball looked like he might create something, was drawing fouls for defenders, was his hold up play. Was great. Now I know you had a call on talking about oh you know he's in D C and all that. You know he's certainly not a spring chicken, but frankly um, he's still um, he's come back for that injury. As long as he's fit right now without Lee Griffiths, he is our best option up front, and he showed that because when McBurney and Phillips had their chance, I'm sorry, but they just did not cut it. McBurney, I mean, if he had magnets covered in his body, he couldn't have held that ball up. Um, and Phillips has had a number of different chances and for me he's not a striker um, so Naismith is the best option and just seeing that and I think it, I think that made it easier 
for the midfielders. You know, I was impressed by Palmer. I thought he had a great game. Um, and McGinn as well, obviously. But I think it made it easier for the midfielders to play their game and to, to know that when they were going forward and they were putting those balls in areas that they had a proper target man to aim for that could cause problems. And he got his goal in the end. He probably should have had more than the one goal, Naismith. So for me, I just felt as if while Griffiths is out, he's got to be, um, as far as the striker's concerned, the first name on that sheet right now. Um, Jim Duffy, do you agree with Craig in terms of it's an area we have been lacking and I think there's absolutely no argument in terms of that. But Naismith's performances over the last two games, is he in pole position for those games come March? Assuming he's fit, of course. Yeah, listen, it's a difficult one because, I mean, all of them at Burnley's went for £20 million. He's in the Premiership, <laughs> you know, with uh, with Sheffield United. So, you know, most then times you would then say, well, he, listen, he's got to play because he's playing at a high, high level and... He's younger, he's fitter, he's maybe got a bit more energy, call it what you like. But the thing is, it's not always the best players that make the best team. It's, and we heard John McGinn last night's interview, we heard, I, I think he played it earlier mm-hmm. on, Stephen, saying that he felt really good playing in, with a combination play, says a partnership with Stephen Naismith. He felt he linked up really well, they were in the same wavelength, they understood each other's games. Sometimes when McGinn went forward, um, you know, Naismith dropped in. And vice versa So there was a good pa- partnership A good blend You don't always need to be The best individual So it's about the balance Of the team And that That according to John McGinn Last night And Stephen Naismith Seemed to be Maybe a better balance Than Oliver McBurney Playing Although If you just take it in isolation McBurney might be The better option But as a as a combination I think if those two are fit And still performing At the level They're, they're currently at I think they'll start. As Jim says, Mark Guidi, it's about finding that right blend. When Gordon Strachan, towards the end of the campaign, his final campaign, it turned it around. It was all around sort of Stephen Fletcher up front. He played a pivotal mm-hmm. role in, you know, just a wee bit of guile, a wee bit of intelligence up front. And it could be yeah. Stephen Naismith, uh, Stephen Naismith's turn, I should say, uh, to do that this time. Well, you know, if, if you to go and, you know, if the draw, we knew their opponent in the game was tomorrow, Bulgaria, Hungary, Israel, or Romania. Um, right now, who would we pick as our number nine? I think. 99% of the nation would pick Stephen Naismith right now if you go and pick one so if he can keep fit and uh, keep playing there's no doubt you know you, you can just see that you know he's clever he's popular uh, he brings his teammates into the game he's got a great leap in the air I mean, he's not the tallest he's not 5'9 but what a leap he's got there so he's an asset in both boxes when you're defending um, as well he can hold it up he can drift he can play number 10 you know he can drift out wide he's he's a top player and it's maybe it's because he's been missing from hearts and mm. He had a tough time at Hearts and Low and then kind of Norwich City and, and Everton before that. Um, but you think of Stephen A. Smith, and I'm going back 10, 12 years, but the kid at Kilmarnock that moved to Rangers, I, I have to be honest, just looking at him last night, I kind of forgot just how good he was. Mm-hmm. And I have to be honest, you know, it was just like one of the ones that saying, I think Smith, I really is getting on it. But when you see him last Mark, night. He has picked up top, a lot of injuries over yeah. the last couple of years. Yeah, when he's and been That missing. will be the concern. Can he stay injury free? For the next few months, can he get a good number of games in? I mean, it's, I mean, it's not it's not normal really to just pitch someone in with a limited amount of yeah. minutes he's had. Yeah, but it obviously, just shows you how highly Stevie Clark regards right. him because he could have put other guys in, like like um, you know, Craig was saying there. You know, I, I agree though that like Matt Phillips and that he's not a centre forward. That I feel a wee bit sorry for a player who's actually thrown into a position where he's not really that comfortable because we don't have anyone else. It's not really his fault. If Lee Griffiths gets himself back on track again, which we hope he does, then he would he yeah. would definitely be one that 
that you would look at. But again, there's a long way, a long way ahead for him. Craig, you're a Rangers fan. What did you make of Ryan Jack's performances over the two games? Listen, I thought he looked good. Um, you know, he had a big, big chance. I have to say, yesterday when the ball sort of broke kindly to him, um, and it, you know, it was a decent save for the keeper. He probably should have scored it, but I think it was, it was good to see him getting and you know actually playing. Um, for Scotland again because he was in the last squad but he never actually made an appearance um, and I think it's frustrated Rangers fans purely because you cannot deny that he has been on fantastic form this season and he's the maturity he has shown this season as opposed to last season as well is night and day so he deserves his spot um, and I just want to quickly pick up Jim was talking about McBurnley there but he may have went to Sheffield for the money he did and I'm sure he's done um, he obviously done something right for that to be the case but I don't know how many chances he deserves to get because, I mean, one of the problems is he's hold up play. Now, his size doesn't help him. He's built with the side of a fiver. That doesn't help. But he doesn't use any of his speed. When he gets the ball going behind, he just doesn't have that intelligence. And I know he's playing in the Premier League, but for me, um, when you've had the chances he's had, and he had, you know, with Griffiths being injured and Naismith being injured, you know, he had every opportunity to make himself the number one man to get that spot was his for the taking and he's just not he's not taking it um, we have a lack of striking options right now in the national team and for me I would worry about playing um, particularly if you end up playing the likes of a Romania or a Hungary who are not pushovers who are you know they're big lads some of them as well I'd be worried about playing somebody like McBurney, um who's not that Physical okay, um, against these yeah. teams. Uh, I seen the Hollywood playing several games in the Championship, English Championship. They are massive down there, massive physically, strong, aggressive, and he more than held his own in that situation. I think that um, you know it might be um, you know uh, wiry if you want to call it that. You know he's not you know a big strong strapping boy, but listen, I, I'm not his biggest fan, and I'm not I'm not trying to say, but. Oh, I do think he needs to defend a little bit with the games he's been pitched in again he's been isolated was last night in the game previous to that John McGinn and, and Naismith played like almost like you know one with one behind but we also had Forrest getting up there we all, we, we also had Christie getting up there we were, we were more on the front foot in the last three games so there's been more chances whereas I think to be fair to Oliver McBurney listen he, he came out and made a daft statement you know when everybody tried to joke off and, all, and these things don't help either but I think I think if he had chances to score, get the ball into the box more, then at least then you're judging the guy, you know, wh- where he's good, in and around the box. But he's, he's had that kind of lone striker role and it has been very lonely at times. Thank you very much for your call, Craig. We'll continue taking your calls next on 419511025. Just a quick reminder of the teaser. So it's for each of the 12 current Premiership sides. Name the player with the most World Cup finals appearances who has played for them at some point. Uh, so we've already got Aberdeen, Hibs, Celtic, which is Jim Layton for both Aberdeen and Hibs, Henrik Larson for Celtic, and Rangers, Terry Butcher. Uh, any other advance on that, guys? I'll, I'll go, I'll try St Mirren. Yep. Roy Aitken. You're bang on, you're on form tonight. Roy Aiken has a correct answer. Six World Cup final appearances and uh, played for St Mirren between 1991 and 1992. Jim Duffy, you. Yeah, no, that's what yeah, I, actually, Steve, Steve Archibald, I had actually, but it's not, a, a, you know, but again. So we've got, just to run through the teams we don't have Hamilton, Hearts, Kilmarnock, mm-hmm. Ross County, mm-hmm. Livingston, Motherwell, and St Johnston. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still looking, do they have players who have played in the World Cup? And mm-hmm. uh, the minimum is three, so they've at least all played at uh, one World Cup. Mm-hmm. At Clyde SSB, 
be if you've got a shout for that and as I say we'll continue to take your calls next also on Acclyde SSB we've got the poll uh, for Gordon Duncan as well we will update that next for you and it's looking very close just now Clyde One Super Scoreboard with Thompson's personal injury solicitors they play to win every time talk to thompsons.com Welcome back to the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. It's Stephen Mill in for Gordon Duncan, Mark Weedy and Jim Duffy in the studio. The teaser has got the boys talking during the break there, so I'll just quickly remind you of it. Uh, we've got a few answers to go through on Clyde SSB as well. For each of the 12 current Scottish Premiership sides, name the player with the most World Cup final appearances who played for them at some point. So we've already got Aberdeen Hibs, which was Jim Leighton, Celtic, which was Henrik Larsson, Rangers, which was Terry Butcher and St Mirren, which was Roy Aitken. Do you need some clues, guys? I think you yeah, might. Really. Right, yeah. OK. Okay, so I'll give you the nationalities of these players. You're missing two Scottish players. Of which clubs? For Hamilton and for Motherwell. Okay. Two Scots. Right, okay. Hamilton. Okay. You've got a Northern Irishman who played for Hearts. You've got an Australian who played for Kilmarnock and Ross County. And you've got someone who represented oh, Togo. Right. Who played for Livingston? Right. Well, I know the Ross yeah, County and Kilmarnock yeah. is Jackson Oven. Is the correct Irvin, answer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you've also got someone who played for the Soviet Union, and he played for Bul- St. Johnston. Sergei Baltacha. Is the right yeah, answer. Right. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. So you've got a few to get there. Uh, Claudio Canigia <laughs> is a very popular answer, and it's not the right one, I'm afraid. So uh, don't try that again. So uh, and Dundee aren't in the Premiership anyway. No. So I don't know why somebody said that. So at Clyde oh, SSB. Mate, oh, 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 I'll try. Motherwell, Scotsman. Yes. I'll try, I'll try David Cooper. Is not the right answer, no. Mark no. Day. But I'll give you a clue. This person has been spoken about on this show tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, while we have a wee think about that and you digest mm-hmm. that wee clue, uh, at Clyde SSB, Gordon Duncan is making his return tomorrow. He has been off for the last few days. He was meant to be on holiday. Unfortunately, he got appendicitis, so I've been covering for him. He is back tomorrow night, the main man. And we've had a poll going on Twitter. So he's feeling a wee bit better. I'm busy tomorrow night. Should he? Get the train in, make him get the train, public <laughs> transport. I know, Jim, you were just ranting on earlier on saying that you can, you know, get the bus and all the rest of it. I just don't think there's enough room in, uh, in <laughs> Gordon's bedroom. He's four poster bed and, uh, you know, he's obviously bought the wall mirrors. <laughs> so, therefore, I just can't see how enough room for the equipment. So, that was the first option. It was the train or his bedroom. But the people have spoken and 61% think they should do it from his house tomorrow. So, it will be in Gordon Duncan's either living room slash bedroom we'll see about the mirror situation we might get that sorted <laughs> so uh, let's take a call just now and speak to Alec from Parkhead he's a Celtic fan Alec you're on Clyde One Super Scoreboard what's your point? Hi how are you doing Stephen? Matt and Jim? Hi Alec Hiya. Hi uh, just obviously now we're back into the, the, the domestic stuff now uh, just reading about uh, Griffiths scoring uh, two goals last night uh, I think just the fact uh, you know that I'm going to be on the bench you know what I mean I know he's not going to be 100% fit but just having that security having a somebody a Griffiths ability on the bench you know what I mean it can only be can only be a good thing you know what I mean because it's going to be a big ask for Hodgson to see us through to the to, to the January break you know what I mean uh, and also about the boy Liam Butt you know scoring a hat trick setting up the two for for, uh, for Lee Griffiths you know what I mean it's, you know, I know it's it's going to be a hard nut to crack to get into this Celtic midfield, but you know maybe if we can get a man and run about the first team squad, and just a last thing about Elanusi, 
if it's true about the reports, you know, Southampton are looking for between eight to ten million. That's within Celtic's limits, you know. I mean, we can go there. And I think that watching this guy at Park Keat and obviously, you know, on the telly, this guy did he'll deal, you know what I mean? Let's take your points one by one there. Uh, Alec, first of all, Lee Griffiths, I think we can all agree, it's good to see Lee Griffiths back on a football pitch, scoring yeah. twice in a reserve match at uh, Stenhouse Muir at Oakville View. And uh, yeah, it's good to see him back, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is good to see him back. Uh, there's been a couple of false starts. Um, the bottom line is, uh, Alec, Lee Griffiths futures in Lee Griffiths' hands. As you say, Celtic are crying out for a striker as a, as a backup. Um, to uh, Odson Edward the national teams looking for another number 9 as well to come into the squad and push Stephen Naismith or Lawrence Shankland or all of them burn whoever it's going to be so what Stephen um, what uh, Lee Griffiths needs to do is knuckle down 100% and you know put all his energy and all his efforts into becoming a first team football again and recapturing the the the, the physical strength the fitness the you know the, the, just the, the hunger to go and be that to be that player again and I'm sure he will um, and it's there for him to go and do it because if he doesn't show it over the next few weeks Neil Lennon's going to have to go out and buy something in January he can't afford to take a gamble and, and wait so basically for me Lee Griffiths has got six weeks to go and show that he's worthy of being with Celtic. If he doesn't, then he falls in danger of, of being down in the pecking order because Celtic only to go and buy a striker in January. Liam Burt as well, uh, setting up a couple of goals for Lee Griffiths. It's going to be hard to crack into that Celtic midfield, as Alex said, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Celtic's very strong midfield. You know, we've seen uh, just recently against Lazio, Oliver and Cham and get in, and you know, he can't get nailed down a, a starting position in, in, in a fantastic goal to, to that uh, victory for Celtic over in Rome. So, you know, they've got embarrassment of riches there. But as far as Lee Griffiths is concerned, I think Neil Lennon will go out in January and bring in another striker. Simply because no one really knows the situation regarding Lee Griffiths. You know, we don't know all the background. We don't know the kind of, whether, you know, he's had muscle injuries. We, we understand before that he had personal issues. So there's a number of situations. But from Celtic's point of view, they'll, they'll help Lee Griffiths as much as possible. But the manager has to try and make sure they try and win the title, which means that. You know, there the, the can't be any kind of guessing game. Is he going to be available? Is he not? So I think they'll definitely go out and bring someone in in January to make sure that uh, a Fed does happen to Odds and Edward or they just want to keep pushing or they just want to have that option. And obviously still, and Celtic will be in Europe because they've got two games to go and they've managed to qualify. So they, they're hoping that that campaign will stay a bit longer as well. So for me, they'll definitely bring someone in. And if Lee Griffiths does get himself back, then it's still, still another good option to have. But I don't think they can... They can guess that everything's going to be okay. And as uh, Mark said, good for the national team as well, hopefully. In terms of very quickly, Mark Woody, Elanusi winning the player of the month for October, eight to ten million. Do you think that is, as Alex says, within Celtic's price range? Well, it is. You know, Edward was signed for nine million, for example. Yeah, I mean, Celtic, if, salary wise, if, if, if they really needed to, yeah, they could go and um, afford that. For sure, but but it, it depends. You know, I don't think they would spend that money if they don't win the league, because then you've not got a chance of getting to the. To the Champions League, Stephen, and recouping that that kind of money. So that one for me, yeah, they can afford it. But you know, depending on circumstances, it might just be a wee bit too rich for them. Do you all think, Mark, as well, that Edwards bought with the potential of of well, they will have already with yeah. a very double treble at Cop. You like 
but that is a, a 20, 20 year old bringing him in whereas yeah. Elanoussi I'm not saying he, he, he couldn't increase in value uh-huh. but it's easier when you've got a younger yeah. player to develop and, and, and realise yeah. that potential further down the line definitely yeah, for sure we are rapidly approaching the end of the show thank you very much for your call Alec we need to wrap up the full time teaser before we go as well so you've still got Hamilton Hearts Livingston Motherwell to get so it is 12 right. current Scottish Premiership sides uh, that have the most World Cup finals appearances. Did, did you say Northern Ireland for Hearts? Yes, yeah, I'm, going to take, I'm not sure. Did Nigel Worthington play for Hearts and Lone for Wales? No? Uh, I'm no. not sure on that. No, that no, is no. not the right answer, though. Uh, Hamilton will go very quickly. Uh, He's a goalkeeper, played at oh, I think he played, yeah, two World Cups for Scotland. Oh, Alan Ruff. Alan, Alan Ruff, Ruff is the correct yeah, answer. Uh, Hearts. Uh, I give you, you Lovey because I remember Lovey because it's not there's not that many players. Only when you say to look Stephen Lawson. It's not. It's not. It's Sheriff Toure, my man. Was it? Oh, so right, Stephen Lawson. No, no. Was uh, the other one is for Northern mm. Ireland. For Hearts, it was David McCreary. Oh, ah, yeah, yeah, got yeah. That. And the that. final one, that. you'll be kicking yourself for Motherwell. He managed them as well, and he managed Scotland twice. Alec McLeish. McLeish. Alex McLeish yeah. is the right answer. That is it for tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Remember, tomorrow we will be coming live from Mark Guidi blown his nose there. We'll be coming live from ML One, live from Gordon Duncan's house. The main man makes his return. He will be alongside Mark Wilson and Gordon DL. That is it from me, Stephen Mill. Thank you very much for having me over the past few days. Thank you very much to Jim Duffy. And Mark Reedy tonight as well. And Callum Gallagher is up next. The wee man will take you through until 10 o'clock. Have a good Wednesday night.